Pim, what's up? Yo, is your sister home? You want Darcy? Yeah. Hold on, let me see if she's here. Darcy! Yo, hurry the fuck up, man. I don't want to go swimming. Hold up, man. Damn. Hey, what's up? What are you doing right now? I was just getting ready to take a bath. Don't take a bath. Come swim with us. Hi, Darcy. Hi, Kim. Hi, Joy. Come on, come swimming. Right now? Yeah, come on. Hold on. So that's your new girl, huh? I hope so for now. You like I'm kind of young, right? Fucking babe. <laughs> I like them new, not like you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Damn, bitch, don't kill this shit. Fuck. Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Branch from the original crew known as Cinema 9 Podcast. We're here on a Friday night. It's March 10th, 2023. And today we're going to get into a gritty film from the 90s directed by Larry Clark known as Kids. Controversial film selected by Eric Branstrom. He's the one to blame here if you want to blame anyone. If you want to give him credit and give him credit too. But uh, this is us. We're going to rock and roll, do our thing. Travis Roy, it's Friday night. How you feeling? I'm doing okay. Uh, what you see in my hand here is uh, what's it's a little. I don't know why it's not showing up properly, but it's the the words are Cinema Nine Podcast, and it's my old Twitter handle, Royzervoir. I walked into my classroom the other day, and this was just sitting on my on my desk, like a fucking ransom note. <laughs> oh my um, god! I know why that's happening. By the way, I think your green screen is technically clicked as on, so yeah, if it's green at all, then. Yes, I know. Yeah. Knows. So I'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. There had been a couple students that had known before, but now, like, apparently, all of my students know. So, Ooh. if you are my student and you are watching this, you do not have my consent. Turn it off <laughs> for everyone. Turn it off. It's not personal. Turn it off. It's not personal. But out of respect for me, I ask that you please stop watching. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. Putting it mildly. Wow, <laughs> that's intense. Uh, but you no longer have yeah. that Twitter account, right? It's no, it's gone. No, I shut that down. But it is my IG handle as well. But there's nothing there but pictures of my dogs. So. But- it reminds me of the first time somebody found me online when I was a teacher back in 2012. I get that same vibe. Like, oh, we found your uh, YouTube account. Actually, I got in trouble because I hadn't changed my name. 
of my YouTube handle, which at the time was Dildo Eater ninety nine. Okay. And, uh, okay. <laughs> I had to have a private talking to with the school therapist. She brought me in, sat me down. She said, "Michael, um, I brought you in here, like dim lighting, you know, trying oh, to set awkward. the mood so it's calm, anti anxiety." And so a few students have uh, come to me, and they, they were concerned because they found your YouTube. And are you Dildo Eater ninety <laughs> nine? <laughs> yes, I am. I, am. <laughs> I was like, "What? No way! That's crazy." So, uh, well, I'm going to talk about kids today. So, I'm definitely you know, the movie kids, which brings up a lot of memories from being that age. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. I do not want anyone <laughs> I know watching yeah. this. <laughs> Ah, yes, sir. Eric, you chose kids. We're going to focus in on that a little bit later, but uh, it's Friday night. Uh, how do you feel, man? Is society treating you well? Uh, I'm jumping the gun a bit, but I mean, this this week I did, last weekend I did have my first experience where I took my daughter to a movie theater, and that, that was a big moment for me. I mean, like, oh! yeah, I'm a big movie person. That is a big moment. That really is. Moment. You are a huge movie person. Very proud. That's awesome tear trickled down my eye not when i saw my daughter watching the big screen but when i paid 19 dollars for a pop and popcorn <laughs> <laughs> yes that was a good setup well done <laughs> okay well yeah you love movies we love movies and in that spirit you know the oscars are in two days from when we're recording this they're sunday march 12th and uh, we thought we'd have a little chat about it see what's going on with those oscars because you know I think like the buzz every year for me, and if you guys are new to the show, I'm probably the least of the three of us in terms of like Oscar excitement or aficionado, but I still keep up enough where I'm like paying attention and I get the buzz every year. And I, I just don't feel like, uh, there's as much buzz around these movies this year, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, the, I feel like, like a lot of years, there's one or two movies that have drawn the most of the attention and they're probably going to get most of the attention at the oscars but you know you guys said earlier um in i think november or december when we last kind of rounded up the 2022 offering of films that it was like one of the worst years in film that you guys could remember do you still feel that way because i look at this list of movies that i've because i got in front of me that's just the oscar uh one you know uh, nominees but also just my personal list of my favorite movies of the year. And I feel like it's been a really, really strong year. I mean, there's a lot of movies I feel like I'm going to watch again and care about in my lifetime. Do you guys still think it was a shit year? Wasn't that Eric? Didn't you say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did. There was two that I like. There was one that I loved. I loved the Batman and I liked a few others, but like that was it. So this Oscar season, I, this is a, it hasn't been like this. And I can't even imagine how long I am appointment viewing huge party, I watch. The fuck, the hell is that? Oh, movie? you keep talking. This is oh. for people who are watching. So you keep talking. If you're listening to us, I'm showing some of the Oscar. I know. I never. Yeah, hey, I'm trying to produce. Keep Fine. talking. I'm so sorry. I I usually watch down to live action short everything, but I'm missing a lot this year, and like wow. I'm fine with it. Well, maybe that's why I'm more excited about it because I've seen almost everything at this point. I mean, not like the shorts and not all of the international films, uh, but I've seen just about everything else. Yeah, and, uh, I think it's been a really strong year. Yeah, I think it has been a strong year. I'm look, here's best picture here. We're showing mm -hmm. it. These are the mm -hmm. nominees. We've talked yeah. about them before. I've seen almost all of them. I still haven't seen Top Gun Maverick. I'm the last American who has not what? seen that film. I Get know. On it. 
I know I'm, I'm a failure in many things, including not seeing Top Gun Maverick. But um, so important. Top Gun Two so picture ridiculous. It, I know that's actually a movie that has created a lot of buzz this year. So of all the films, probably the most buzziest. But Travis, I would agree. I think it's been a really solid year for film. I thought Tar was an incredibly current film that challenges everything that's going on in social media and mm -hmm. cancel culture and power dynamics it was todd field hadn't done a movie by the way since little children in 2006 hmm. which i was oh, i forgot I about that i was like yeah i didn't i was yeah. like wow todd field he really is a patient guy when it comes to making movies but i think it was right? a good year for film i thought it was a lot a lot of thought-provoking funny triangle sadness stuff so there was comedy there was uh fablemans like flashback of really what spielberg went through as a child to become the director that he is so I would agree that this is a solid year. Maybe not the best ever, but certainly not a dumpster fire year. I'm looking at the top 10, you know, the 10 nominees for best picture this year. I have not seen Avatar, The Way of Water. I oh, yeah, I've seen that it on Netflix. You know, when it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. So I can't really speak to that. But looking at this list, I mean, there's nothing I would pluck out except for maybe the Fablemans personally. Um, I, I think this is this is a strong list of some of the best films of the year, and mm. I, I, if any one of these wins, I'm really not going to be angry about it. Hmm. Papa's pissed. <laughs> so that's yeah. me. Any sentimental favorites this year for anybody that you're hoping something happens, or are we not really in that realm? You know, like when Leo finally won in 2015. Anything like that right. going down? Oh. I was hoping I was hoping uh, Ki Hui he, 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 Kwan would for everything all everywhere all at once, but now I'm starting to be like, well, shit, I think that's going to just absolutely sweep the Oscars. So I'm not as looking forward to it. it doesn't seem like a would be a surprise now at this point. Uh, so there, that was the only thing I was kind of like, oh, I hope that happens. Uh, but now I think it's almost guaranteed. You know, I saw everything everywhere all at once. I'll be talking about it a little later. And Michelle Yeoh is the front runner here, and we. We've had nothing but, I don't want to be that guy, but we've had nothing but white Best Actress winners since Halle Berry took it in 2003. So, you know, would it be nice to see someone of color take the trophy? Yeah, sure. Especially if they're deserving, right? Like, like I mean, yeah. she clearly is. It's an, yeah, Exactly. I mean, Kate Blanchett is, is awesome in Tar, but she's won a couple Academy Awards already. Like, everyone, like, her career is just fine. Um, I think that Michelle Yeoh is a strong actor that could clearly do some really powerful work. Uh, and hopefully, if, you know, it, I think that either way, she's going to we're going to see a lot more of her in the near, in near future. <laughs> now, did Tom Hanks sneak in there for best supporting for Elvis? That's Razzie. No, he didn't. Ah, yeah. ah. I'll I tell you what, Mike. To go back to your question, if there's anything I am kind of geeked about, I am I am really pulling for All That Breathes for best documentary feature, and I'm really pulling for EO for best international film. I don't think either one of those are going to win, but um, I'm pulling for them. Yeah, there's. I watched Honest Trailers do their. Uh, they always do the Oscar movies. Sure. They'll do a trailer about that. That was fun. And yeah, there's three movies in the last year with donkey stuff going down in the Oscars. Got the donkey, doc donkey. Oh, we got four. What did I miss? Yeah. Triangle um, Sadness, EO, of course, Bancherin, Banshees of Insurin, and what's the other yep, one? Yep, and uh, Navalny, which was nominated for Best uh, Documentary Feature. Don't see. I'm telling Derek, you know, remember you go to the Chinese restaurant, it's like the year of that animal based on what year you were born. <laughs> so you're the donkey for sure right now. I think it extends beyond restaurants. <laughs> <laughs>
like a whole culture. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Well, oh, that's yeah, yeah. silly American. What do I know? I just I order the General So's chicken and I sit down mm, and wait yeah, for it to come a, to me. I'm a sweet and sour guy. Who the fuck do I think I am? Right. Right. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Don't <laughs> oh, venture yeah, too far off the norm. Very, Good God. Very blase. Did you seriously think I didn't know what a donkey was unless I was familiar with the Chinese zodiac? Is that what I <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I implied there. Or if you inferred it, that's correct. Oh. But yeah, uh, well, Oscars will be fun. Uh, Eric, are you going to do your big thing you always do, or is it Absolutely. not as exciting? I'm going to make a delicious mushroom lasagna. Prosecco is going is already in the fridge. We're ready to go. Awesome, it's fantastic. Okay. Well, I don't even know if I'll watch. I'll probably like check in, like, but I don't. Uh, tend to be watching entirety. Last year, I just happened to be watching when, of course, Chris Rock was slapped by Will Smith. That'll never be topped in terms of being there. I was there in real time. I saw it happen. That was probably number two Oscar moment of the last 10 years for me, next to either the Moonlight fiasco or, uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon saying my name as an Academy Award winner. I'm still you not sure. I, I think the only I thing like that could top the slap is if Warren Beatty slapped the host. Kind of like <laughs> <a full> circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Warren Beatty comes out and slaps Will Smith this year, I'm mean, yeah, really excited. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it should be a good old time at the Oscars, who are hosted by uh, Jimmy Kibbo, I believe is hosting, right? Yeah, I actually don't even know. I yeah. think he is. Yeah, okay. it's just, uh, he's done it before. He's rock solid. Jimmy Kibble's got a guy, it's a weird career. Like, he came up with the man show. That's where, like where he broke out of it, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. And now he's like the opposite yep. Of, of who yep. that guy was, him and Adam Carolla being like disgusting, we're guys, and being misogynist, and now he's on a completely different path. It's just, it, I mean, he can mature. Know? He's a, yeah, of course, he's allowed to grow. I get it. It's just funny to juxtapose the man yeah. show versus who he is now. He got famous during the time of Edge Lords, and now it's the time of like. <laughs> let's be careful what we say. Um, so yes. it's, things have changed. The pendulum has swung. Edge Lords. All them. right. Well, hey, speaking of Edge Lords, I'm Michael Govier, and we're glad to have you aboard here for the Cinema Night Podcast. Cinema Night Pod at gmail.com if you want to email the show. Let's get into quarantine viewing picks. Uh, last week, Travis and Christian did a great job talking about Dawn of the Dead, which is Travis's selection. And I got to tell you, I was listening to the movies you watched, and I was sad that I wasn't here for that one because you wanted to get my take on a specific movie, and I wasn't here for yeah. you. I'm sorry about that. I, f I forgive you, but I know that, I mean, I know your take. I know you love the trip movies, the Michael Winterbottom, Winterbottom trip movies. I do. So, I'm a huge, yeah, I would say I'm a fan. I'm a big time aficionado. Love the trip. I love Winterbottom in general, you know, 24 hour party people. I love how the trip, as you eloquently said, yeah, it's like, it's funny, but then it goes into like real life, dark shit. Sometimes people are cheating on their wives, <laughs> you know, all kinds of crazy stuff with their kids. And I would say the trip to, Spain was solid, but I think maybe it's run its course. I hate to say that. Maybe we should just leave Ooh. it where it is. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I liked the one after it. Whatever that. One. I think it was Trip to Greece. I liked that one. Oh, see, I yeah. is that the one we're on now? I can't. I can't even order them other than after the first trip because that. Well, that yeah, that's what happened. Is uh, there's like the trip, uh, trip to Italy, I think, and then trip to yeah. Spain, and then trip to Greece. And I watched Trip to Greece and not realizing that Trip to Spain was out. And I'm like, oh shit, I've. I, you know, but it does not matter um, does at all. It's just it's just two guys, you know, doing Im imitations at one another lengthily and awkwardly. 
Um, it's a good time. But yeah, big shout out to Christian for coming on. He did a great job, and it was a very special 150th episode. It would have been extra special if, had I been there by myself. Um, so definitely <laughs> glad that, <laughs> glad to have him along with me. Now, as far as my quarantine viewing picks, I don't know if uh, our friend Russell is still listening, but buddy, this one's for you. I finally watched Bully. <laughs> I figure watching kids, I see I didn't, yeah, I did it early in the week, very intentionally, so I wouldn't have like a back-to-back experience with like <laughs> Bully one day and kids the next. Clark, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I understand why David McKenna took his name off this thing, uh, but at the same time, like, it's actually a pretty faithful, as I understand it, depiction of the real events that took place. What really stood, what, what I had a problem with and what I think a lot of people had a problem with was straight up like gratuitous shots of people's crotches and like weird shit like that, which is like like the sex scenes didn't bother me, but like you know, some of these characters they're they're allowed to wear a shirt. You know, it's okay to have them in a scene where they're wearing a shirt. It's not going to hurt the film. Um, but I thought, yeah, I actually thought it wasn't that bad. Like it was, it was, it was intense. It was hard to watch. I wouldn't watch it over and over again. And it certainly hit a lot of the themes that kids hits, which is watch what the fuck your kids are doing. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, turns out teenagers okay. are immature. I, uh, <laughs> no, Nick yeah. Stahl is fucking brutal in that film, man. He's so such a dick in Bully, and he does a great job as a dick. Dude. And Brad Redfro, R.I.P. Man, was, oh, he's Dang, so dude. good in it, man. He's such a he was such really? a talented actor. I think he was. I think he was great, man. He was only eighteen when he did that, and yeah. Like, I mean, he could have. I think if he was still alive, he'd be like he'd be like Josh Brolin status. I think if he was still around, like he, wow. I think he had that kind of level of talent in him. And I think that he probably would probably would have, would have been a long like a, you know in, in for the long haul because he was once he started working, he just kept working until he passed. Yeah, he yeah. was incredible. And addiction issues sucks. You know, I I don't yeah. other things happened in his life that obviously were traumatic for him, and we lost him too soon. But Brad Renfro and Bull, I love Bully. I could watch. <laughs> I'll throw a bully on just to watch, like, just to chill. Like, it doesn't, it's an I intense watch. Yeah, oh, I know. No. It's not no. really the norm for a lot of people, but I, <laughs> I find it to be an entertaining film in a um, a different way than I would say kids, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, I watched the preview yesterday, Travis, because I was like, I'm, I I got to see this. And Wait, you never seen it either? I've never seen it. Oh, wow. I watched I the preview and, like, the... The preview is fucking terrible. Like, it, it, I don't know if the movie is this quality, but like, you know, like a, a shitty like early two thousands trailer. Like when you see them, like they can be really bad, and it just looks so bad. I, I was like, all right, I guess I'm good. So I'm gonna go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's worth seeing. And uh, speaking of movies that I think that you that I know you think are worth seeing, I, I checked out to Leslie. You praised yeah, you that on last time that Loved you were it. on the Loved show, it. and uh, like it's not your show, but you know, a couple episodes back. Uh, you know, again, it, like you, it, it makes me kind of angry that mm-hmm. people piled on Andrea Riseborough so much. It's pretty clearly a case of that her friends saw the movie and her colleagues saw the movie and and made a very devoted push that maybe broke some of the rules that maybe you know that they were aware of or not aware of. I don't know, but it's it seemed to me like a fairly organic push to support a genuinely awesome performance. Now. You're watching someone hit bottom. This is uh, the first half or so. I mean, it's, it's I mean, like bully. It's kind of a hard watch. Actually, I did bully into Leslie on the same day, so that was an impressive. <laughs> Woo! What a day! <laughs> I did it back to back. I was like, uh, so, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. But I mean, 
you know, and I've I've loved Andrea Riseborough since I saw her in Mandy, and I thought she was great in P- Possessor, and she was she was fantastic in this. It was just out, outstanding. And I also really like Owen Teague, who played her son. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen him and mm-hmm. some stuff. I think he's doing some really yeah. great job. And I I've said before in the show that I'm I'm a really big fan of Mark Maron all around, like everything that he does. But this is the first time I've seen him in a movie where I'm like okay he's acting now yeah. like he's not and he's it, not just showing up like i believe the character i bought what he was doing it was well, really man. really good work and suggests like maybe some stronger stuff from him in the future which mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to huh. yeah um i checked out marcel the, Sh- the marcel the shell with shoes on you know um this is nominated for best animated feature um i think expectations are a motherfucker this is pretty highly rated on imdb and I've heard so many people like talk about it being life affirming, right? Just like, <laughs> transcendent, like uh, like you know, about you know, existential. And like I saw it, I just found it very precious, just very very precious. And I'm like, okay, this is cute, but like I've, I've seen this <laughs> very similar tale over and over again. Okay. Um, it was it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but I, I'm yeah, I wasn't in love with it. I think it's wow. may, maybe a little overhyped, but good. Um, lastly, I'll keep this pretty short. Uh, I, this morning I watched uh, Women Talking, and huh. uh, you know, it's a very apropos title. It's literally I mean, the movie made me think of my dinner with Andre. Honestly, oh. because literally just people talking the whole fucking time. I had to take many breaks to just weep. Um, it is an intense picture. The the what they're dealing with is intense stuff. You know, with rape and child abuse and and all this stuff. Um, but I, you know, Hollywood never knows how to handle faith. It just doesn't know how to handle faith. Either it depicts religious folk as these evil hypocrites, or it's like produced by evangelicals, and you got like God is not dead, or like fucking left behind or some shit. Yeah. Right. Um, this movie, I thought, really, you know, as, as someone who doesn't practice Christianity, but I, I thought it really handled that really well in showing that on one hand, you've got people that will use this as a tool for power and to and to abuse, and on the other hand, you have people that can be. Like their life can be enriched by it and they can become significantly better people. And, and, and um, it's, it's, it's really, a, I thought, a really powerful movie. Um, I think it's going to be a difficult movie for a lot of people. I think there are people on the left and right who will hate it. I think there's believers and non-believers hmm. that will hate it. And I think the same that people on both sides will love it as well. Um, again, it, it is women talking in a room for almost the entire thing. So if that <laughs> sounds boring to you, just don't fucking bother. Because I've read a lot of reviews and like, I'm bored. Well, you know, if you know, you're waiting for the fucking chase scene, it's not coming. Um, but I really, I really strongly like women talking. And uh, is this the Sarah Polly movie, or is that she's sad? Yeah. Like, no, that, this okay. is, yeah, this is Sarah Polly directed this and adapted okay. the screenplay from a book. Mm. Mm. Definitely check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I I have uh, access to that while I'm here by mom, so I'm definitely gonna watch that. I'll probably might watch it tonight while I go to bed. Could be fun. Mm-hmm. Could be a nice little Friday. Ooh, I would. I started my day with it. I would recommend that because it seems like it'd be. I don't know. It could be some, some glum nighttime thoughts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, those are the best. Kind of Love uplifting. those glum yeah. nighttime thoughts. Those are the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I got Yoshi here. She'll take care of me. There you go. So those are that's what I watched. <laughs> Eric Bradshaw, Griffith, Indiana, bring it to us here on Cinema Night Podcast. Yeah, so best animated feature. I'm I'm definitely pulling for uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, dude. This one I saw in theaters with my little girl. Loved it. I loved the first Puss in Boots. I laughed my ass off at home on Netflix during the original a few months ago. I laughed out loud in the theater for the sequel. It's just 
really cleverly written. Antonio Banderas' voice is hilarious. Every time he says anything, and I'm looking at this dumb cat, like I laughed out loud in the theater. Now, granted, I made it through about 70% of the film before we had to get the fuck out of there. Like, hey, fine. <laughs> but what I saw, I loved. All right. It's on um, Peacock as of today, so I'm going to watch it tomorrow. It? It's Peacock. fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Um, the Outwaters. I've been hearing about this found footage movie nonstop on my Instagram. So I follow all the indie horror stuff, and I nonstop, I, it's all I hear about. The, out, the Outwaters. You got to see this. This is a found footage uh, best found footage since Blair Witch. It's fucking terrible. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Like it's it's just piss poor. Skip it. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't have much to say. A lot of murder she wrote, but I did watch everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And I and I've been wrestling with this for the past two weeks. You loved it. <sighs> it would be very easy for me to come uh, just maybe not say anything. And then just gloss over this because, you know, we might not hear about it for a while after this Oscar season is over. What? Uh, I didn't care for it, man. I knew I knew you weren't going to like it. Why, though? Why? <laughs> I didn't because care he, for it. Because it was too much fucking hype. You need to catch it when it was new. You've, you've been told a million times it's the best movie of the year and that's amazing. That's genius. I think you warned me about that a yeah. couple of weeks ago, Travis. I was just... It's kind of irritated. It was just a lot coming at me, and I didn't really care about anything that was going on. I, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like, and it's Daniels. Like, I, I was getting Swiss Army Man. In fact, I'm like, I see. It's really clever, and wow, and Jew it, and, and ingenuity, and like, looks like this was complicated. But I just didn't fucking care. I liked it significant. I liked it the first time I watched it, everything, everywhere, all at once, and I liked it significantly even more the <sighs> second time I watched it. I, I recommend giving it a break, especially because it's probably going to win Best Picture, and you're you're going to be even more annoyed by that because it's just not going to live up to your expectations. But I do think you should revisit it in your lifetime. All right. Will do. That's wow. it for me. Wow, dude. Wow. Dude, I'll tell you. I haven't watched it on a second time, but the first viewing, it was incredible. You did hot dog fingers. You didn't enjoy that. I mean, God, that's funny. No. <laughs> you would have already. Did you see the hot dog fingers before you saw the movie? Like, did you see a clip no. of it somewhere? No. Okay. No. Well, what about uh? Come on. I I, I Rack- saw the movie. Rack- thirty. I know all the stuff you're talking about. I was just like, all right. Recanatui. <laughs> Eric, are you are you sad? <laughs> <laughs> Now, granted, I did break the holy trinity of my rules, which is never watch a movie you're anticipating drunk, uh, never go to the late show in the theater, and never watch a movie when you're very tired. And I put this motherfucker on at like 10.30 p.m. Oh. And you watched it in pieces. You said you watched it in pieces over like several yeah. days, too, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah, and each time I didn't care, and it was 10.30 at night. Not the ideal viewing conditions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, I'm... It's it's your opinion. I will throw, stop trying to pitch you on it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your opinion, Eric. Uh, I enjoyed it. For me, you know, uh, a couple weeks. I haven't been on last week, so th- there was a few movies I watched that I'd like to mention. Uh, I watched Clerks three, and finally, yeah, finally, and you know, it was it was good. I like Clerks two a lot more, but you know, time, energy, nostalgia. These things could take shape and hold of your opinions on film. Uh, but I certainly thought it was it was solid. It's clearly a lot of once again Kevin Smith's own life in it. But it's not. I don't know. It's 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 a fitting way to kind of wrap it up. I assume this has to be the last Clerks. It kind of should be. It should right? be. Like, yeah. 
but it's enough. It was solid. It was rock solid. I still think Clerks Two was more moving and funnier. I really do. But Clerks Three is more moving. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, I really thought right. the way they wrapped it up on that film and the kind of culmination of their friendship at Clerks Two really hit me hard. And that was when I was in my twenties. So hmm. I don't know. I think Clerks Three is definitely worth watching though, and it's better than the Jay and Silent Bob reboot for 2019. Which, by the way, I did watch again because after I watched Clerks Three, I wanted to double check on it, and I do like. Jay and Silent Bob's reboot for 2019 a little bit more now. It's, I don't know, maybe yeah. I just wasn't ready in 2019, but it seemed to be a little bit more apropos. And the more reboots and remakes and reorganization of retread movies that happen again and again and again, the yeah. more, I think, prescient and timely and appreciative we will all be of the reboot for Jay and Silent you know Bob's. You know what word I've been hearing a lot lately is requel. I'm like, oh, God, quit. Like a reboot and a sequel like oh ah! like that, like, like Ghostbusters life after death or whatever it's a requel I'm like, oh requel. god yeah you know yeah. I hate you <laughs> ew you know I hear that requel. and this is exactly what I hear in my mind when you say that <laughs> yeah. that Marv that is yeah I, yeah, I heard which that which one on, no, uh, that's great which one is it on, though it, that's from the number oh, one too. because I know that because I listened to the Is It Safe podcast. Ah, and played ah, too. Yeah, <laughs> oh. well done, Travis. Well done. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Marv went. Oh, and <laughs> also, I got I got five minutes into the Chris Rock special and went. Marv. I feel like I'm watching Fox News. Oh yeah, just yeah. screaming about co- cancel culture. And I what? It yeah, I watched that. I laughed the entire time. It was hilarious. Wait, 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 wait. Fox News. Come on, man. Really? Literally, the, the thing starts like people are woke. People, I can't, you can't say anything. I'm like, oh god, another comedian who's complaining that you can't say anything. Like, no, he's a black man, though. Him. It's not like some white guy. He can say whatever the fuck he wants. It'll probably win a Grammy, just like everybody else who's canceled, quote unquote. <laughs> I'm fucking sick of it, man. I, I'm not. In the, I, I won't, give me comedy. I don't want to hear you complain about change. Yeah. I thought it was decent. I didn't think it was incredible by any means, but I watched the whole thing. Chris Rock special was solid. Some low points. Uh, I also thought that I mentioned this is a safe. The crowd kind of let him down a bit. I thought it wasn't as a from. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Eric? crowd was dead. Yeah. Like he granted, he tells a 35 minute long, boring story about his daughter in a, like a 40 minute special. <laughs> but the crowd was like, like fucking dead. Yeah. Weird for a, a live First ever Netflix event, first time they did something yeah. live. Yeah, I'm surprised that the crowd wasn't more into it, but he did save the Will Smith stuff the last 10 minutes, so he made you wait around for it. Everybody wanted it. And, he knew what yeah. We were doing. yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. I'd say it was okay. Uh, it wasn't monumental by any means. Uh, so no. I uh, finally saw Coming Home from 1978. Okay. Never, never saw that. this Good. film. You know, I saw Runaway Train with John Voight, like I mentioned, when Paul was on here for the Fight Club episode that we did recently, which you should check out if you missed it. Paul Freeling was a lot of fun. And it got me motivated to see more John Voight. And Coming Home is a excellent <laughs> film. It I don't know what took me so long. You know, it's another... It's the original, or one of the original OGs of the Vietnam after the war stories that became a cliche, you know... Unfortunately, because there was so many movies, Platoon, Born of the Fortress of Lie, et cetera, Deer Hunter, and this movie are early, old-time films that deal with the pain of what it was like to be in Vietnam and what happens afterward. And, and it takes a great perspective of having John Voight, his character, goes to war and comes home, and then Bruce Dern's character goes to war and comes home, and they clash together in the end, and it's really well done. I think, Travis, it's an excellent film. I would definitely recommend it. 
I didn't know Bruce Dern was in it. That makes me, no, me all the more inclined to watch it, especially those years of his work. Like he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome actor. 1978. Prime Dern. Yeah. Prime Dern, yeah. Prime Voight. And Jane Fonda yeah, is incredible. Was, so I think the year before oh. King of Marvin Gardens, I think, or like two years before. Yeah. That's good. That's Prime Dern. Prime yeah. Dern. <laughs> all, even though I've seen every Vietnam movie ever, I still thought it was good. So I think that says something seeing it so much after the fact. Definitely check mm-hmm. out Coming Home. Uh, what's a movie called this is where i leave you with jason bateman and a huge cast like number one on netflix out of the blue yeah i saw that yeah you oh is that? it no you i didn't just happen to watch it this, maybe yeah, that's for why some reason yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. why i watch it i did watch it on netflix but it's from 2014 so it's not a new movie either i don't know yeah i thought it was pretty lame it had jane fonda yeah. in it it's forgettable wow but it's got a huge cast tina fey <laughs> yeah adam driver adam driver yeah, yeah, Timothy Oliphant. I mean, it's like a massive cast, but Monster. <laughs> it's kind of a ho hum film. So mm-hmm. I yes. watch it, I guess, but I don't think it's that great. Sorry. Wow. Uh, it's based on a novel. I think the novel was a lot more popular and better or something, but I never read it. So what do I know about that? And uh, boy, is that it? God, I thought I had something else to share, but I guess that's pretty much it. Oh, uh, I wanted to talk about. Dawn of the Dead. So I wasn't here last week. I definitely watched the movie for the show and I All even right. rented All it. Right. I even paid for it. So I try, I was making the effort and I gotta say it was pretty damn good, Travis. I All right. I thought I, you'd like it. Yeah, you're right. Well, you got me on that one. You nailed me because it was very much an action movie. As you said on the show last week, it's a lot more of an action film than like a scarier horror film. It is a zombie apocalypse film, but you just got a great cat. I love Ving Rhames, man. I, you know, I never say this enough, but anytime Ving Rhames is on screen, I just love watching him do his thing. I really mm-hmm. do. Yeah. He's a treat. MIA. Yeah, where's he been? You know, is he retired? Oh, um, he's he's talking about the meats over, <laughs> oh, yeah, over at Arby's. About yeah, really? he's, getting paid, he's getting paid to talk about Arby's. Yeah, the meat. yeah, yeah they have the meats. That's right. Well, good job, Ving. Don't you know you need the meats? Like, oh, <laughs> By the way, this is, this is a question for both of you guys. Does it bother you or do you get turned off by an actor who does commercials? No. Got to you know, no. get paid. I'm cool with it. Sometimes okay. it's a little weird, though. Somet- sometimes it's a little weird. Like like Paul Giamatti, who's got <laughs> to not be like hard up for work, is like in these like cell phone commercials where he's playing like these. Yeah. Uh, Screwed. Yeah, he's playing Screwed no and like Einstein and like and like. <laughs> I'm like, why is like why is Paul Giamatti doing this? Like, yeah. this should be a fucking nobody in this role. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes yeah. it's like, and it's so sometimes it's a little strange, but generally I don't care. Dude, nothing beats Captain Heigl in that Nyquil commercial. God, that's an all-time best. You got it. You find it on YouTube. No lines. Wakes up, yawns. Captain Heigl. Yeah, five years ago. I've never seen that. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Wow. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, other than that, I watched a bunch of documentary stuff on Netflix recently, like the thing about Warren Jeffs, which is just so intensely crazy. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, God damn, man. It's like... It's trigger warning for sure, man. And not everybody can handle this stuff because this is fucked up shit. But this shit's happening. And it, then I watched the other documentary about this guy in Korea who ran a cult and exploited all these people. Again, cults, exploitation, sex, uh, power. It's all intertwined again and again mm. and again, man. And yeah, watch women talking. 
Exactly. That's watch watch uh, Keep Sweet and Obey on Netflix. It's that's fucking amazing. That's what that's what it's called. Thank you for giving me the title. And uh, there you go. I'll leave it at that. Good stuff. Good times. Noodle salad here on the Cinnamon Eye Podcast. Travis Roy or Brett or Michael Govier. Five star review. Subscribe. Connect with us. We love you. You love us. It's a symbiotic relationship here in our wonderful show that we do. But yeah, I loved. I loved Dawn of the Dead. I thought it was a really fun film, and I never got bored. And I actually enjoyed seeing what uh, what's his face did in a smaller role before he was on Modern Family. Uh, oh, Ty, Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell. Yeah, thank you. In fact, I wanted to answer when you and Christian were talking about was this the first time you saw him on film? I was screaming while I was listening to the show. It was Evolution. He was in Evolution in two thousand one because I love Evolution. Oh. So, what, but what you was the name of the movie he did with Scarlett Johansson and. Uh... Topher Grace and, oh. and Dennis Quaid. It's like the oh, boss's uh, daughter. Oh, yeah. That's a piece of shit, isn't it? That was called. <laughs> I, I remember it was what, what got me into Iron and Wine. So I always had a soft Ooh. spot for that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, let's, have a, let's have a bummer yeah. of an evening. Throw some Iron and Wine. And, uh... <laughs> I've been listening to him a lot lately and just crying. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good music, yes. Uh, yeah. Time and place for sure. But, or him, yeah. I should say. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead rules. Uh, Eric, did you want to mention anything about Dawn of the Dead since you weren't here either? Or? What's Richard Cheese up to these days? <laughs> yes! I hope living well. Dick My Cheese. My best to Dick Cheese. Hell yes. I love that. I it, I got so nostalgic when you guys started talking about Dick Cheese and thinking about... <laughs> we had a lot of jokes. I listened to a lot of different Richard Cheese albums for a minute there. It was fun. And, you know, he had his moment, and that's enough, I guess. Right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. He had his time. So, so yeah. Time you know, and time. It's a good movie. You got Gunn and Zack Snyder combined. That's impressive. That looks even more impressive now because we're 20 years out. And yeah. I definitely would recommend Dawn of the Dead myself as someone who's not a zombie fan or a horror fan. Dawn of the Dead 2004 is an excellent film. I feel vindicated. There it is. <laughs> Just want to make sure you got yours. So Thank you. with that, I don't know what we'll say about this next film, but it's time to dive into the main event. 1995's Kids, directed by Larry Clark. A script which always is mentioned, anytime Kids is mentioned within the first 10 or 15 seconds, someone mentions that it's a script by Harmony Corrine. So we got to make sure we mention that, which I don't know why, by the way. It seems like there's a lot of love for Harmony, and I don't know maybe if he's worthy of some of the praise. It seems to be out there for him, but that's just me. So. He's made some of the worst movies I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I turned off Crash Humpers? Buffalo 66. I remember being like, what the fuck is this? I feel like that was him, wasn't it? Oh, no, that uh, was uh, yeah, that was Gallo. <laughs> that was Gallo? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that was trash. But okay. Well, I, I did turn off Beach. What was it? The Beach Bomb? The one with the... Uh, terrible. <laughs> oh, Matthew McConaughey? Terrible. terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Spring Breakers? That was a shit movie. They got all this hype because it's like post-Disney stars and bikinis being bad, but it was a shitty movie. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think it was the fact that he was like an 18 year old kid who like pumped this script out in three weeks or whatever that um, people are like, oh, he's a wunderkind. It's like, well, no, I think we got a flash in the pan here. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you say Gummo, Eric? Yeah, Gummo was his too. Well, oh, God, yes. Gummo. I got all the way through Gummo. that one and I wish I hadn't. Yeah, that's Gummo. not a good movie. Did Jeff Johnson on the show talk <laughs> Gummo? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're doing kids. Yes. And it stars. Uh, you know, Rosario Dawson was discovered for this film, and she made her debut, and she's had a lovely career, as we all well know. And the great Leo Fitzpatrick. 
talk like I I I'm I love fucking virgins, man. I love fucking virgins. It's like, <laughs> all right. So this is for troll. I don't, after watching Bully, though, I don't know that he got much better at acting. I know. Uh, yeah, at least he shows up. But yeah, yeah uh, Justin Pierce played Casper. Uh, he had an interesting yeah, life. Really good. He's he really did. good in this, I think. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he passed in 2000. Yeah, he's gone. And then, as of course, did Harold Hunter, who also oh! passed in 2006. Um, he was in this as well. That's but, of course, sad. we must mention Chloe Seveny. She gets her big start here. Absolutely. Passed three days before the movie shot. Absolutely. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, she, well, she had been in the movie, but in a much smaller role, and then they lost the actor that was going to do um, the Jenny role. And so they, so she had, like, three days to prepare for it, which is impressive most impressive yeah. all right so travis i gotta hear this remember <laughs> the first time you watched kids can you think of it or close to it does it all bleed together because this movie was watched a few times with our friend group here and there yeah yeah i remember when this came out because our our friend an old friend of ours andrew johnson i used to um, just live at his house more or less when i was over at my dad's and uh Me god too. bless that kid wherever you are my friend okay. um and you know, we were just super fucking nerdy about the indie rock in 1994, 95. So we were aware of this movie coming out because of Folk Implosion, because we were a big Lou Barlow fan. Oh. So um, so that's how we'd heard about it. Uh, so when, like we actually caught it uh, as soon as it was available to rent. We didn't see it in theaters, but like as soon as it was available to rent, he got his mom, Laurel. Uh, hi, Laurel. Uh, to to rent the film, and uh, we watched it in his uh, upstairs, as, as I recall, and like you know, got the soundtrack, and I and I recorded a copy of it because I've mentioned on the show before that my mom's boyfriend, when I was a kid, would record stuff. But eventually, I got older and bought my own second VCR, and, hey! and <laughs> did, did not get like one of those. Um, you know, label makers. I just got some whiteout, and I would just write like. Sure. So I remember like kids being like on whiteout on a black VHS. <laughs> so I, I watched the fuck out of this. No way to hell, Eric. You saw this movie back then, right? I had never seen this movie before oh! until yesterday. Holy so this shit! is what you're doing now. You're picking movies that you, that are acclaimed that you hadn't seen, and I'm loving it. <laughs> and I'm loving this uh, fresh approach i'm taking uh, uh i'm flirting with the approach but uh i i stayed away man I, you know goddamn well i ain't seeing no nc-17 movie when this came out i couldn't do it and then like i don't know like i heard you guys talking about casper and all this shit but like i never knew what you were talking about and i always just uh, i don't know i just i just missed it until yesterday i wow. feel i feel really bad now that because it's not a cool name to have. Casper is the character's name in this movie, Kids. And there was a friend of ours that we called Casper, and everybody called him Casper in you know, high school. You know, you know how he got the name? Uh, just because he wore the same backpack? Or, no, oh. I, I, gave it, I gave him the nickname Casper because how I met this kid, well, I won't say his real name because I don't want to smirch him. He was, he was a great kid. Two great brothers. Kid. Two brothers were fun guys, yes. Just an awesome kid. I was working at uh, Food Town, the grocery store, and uh, about 1996 or 97, I guess. And he came in with another friend, another guy who became friends with later. But it was my first time ever seeing them, and I caught I caught them shoplifting, and but I didn't bust them. Mm. I just kind of let them get away with it because I was like also a fucking kid. I just kind of like gave them like a hard time, like <laughs> like, I, like I let them know that I was letting them, you know that, that that they were that they were doing it. And then they came in. I then they came in another time, and I was like, dude. Let's do. That. He was. He wanted to steal beer, 
And I'm like, let's pull a fucking Casper. So this kid's like, I don't know. I was like 16. He's like 13. And rather than being like Casper in the movie and just like putting like one 40 down your pants we like did up his pants and dropped like two 40s down each pant leg and he took about four steps and all his pant legs opened and all four 40s just hit the ground and smashed <laughs> everywhere and he, he ran and Damn. i pretended like i had nothing to do with it of course and so that's that's why we called him casper oh poor chris wow that is crazy man <laughs> wow yeah i i was uh working at food time with travis too before i was fired uh <laughs> Because one of the managers thought I was gay, so which I purposely tried to put on a show for him to freak him out. Now I'm really proud of that now because I, I did a lot that. of dumb shit as a teenager that Damn. I wouldn't be proud of, but I'm proud of that one. I got, I got that homophobe fired, good. I got fired from there too, but not for nearly as cool a reason. I stole <laughs> mustard. I got caught stealing mustard. That's mustard! there's nothing noble about nothing noble about that. I was gonna make a sandwich. Was it at least Dijon or like brown it mustard? Was, it was Jack Daniels honey Dijon mustard. Ooh. Oh yeah, you don't buy that. Yeah. You got to do, you got to get it on. I had to get it on, man. That makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that was Todd, the manager who didn't like me. Todd was an asshole. So. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, shout out to Fred, by the way, who was the shit. He was a great manager. Liked him. Like Fred. Love Fred. Love Fred. So. You're listening to Food Town Talk. <laughs> Welcome to we Food should, Talk. We should set a show where we just talk about our old jobs we were kids. It'd be highly entertaining, I swear. Or maybe <laughs> more for me. Hour. Yeah, I got a like three-hour episode every time for you. Yeah, I got like seventy of those. <laughs> but I, Travis, I couldn't quite pinpoint the first watch. I tried really hard. I really, I got a decent memory, and I really tried to think. God, when was the first time I saw kids? But I, I just couldn't grab it. It all kind of blends together between Andrews and your place and Giles, possibly. And either way, I watched it more than once, and I remember being. I don't. I guess I. I guess I connected with some of the kids because I was a kid. I'd be literally the same age. Like I was 15. We're 15 when this came out. They're teenagers running around New York City. I can't relate to that because we're growing up in the middle of nowhere, Heartland, Michigan. It's more of a suburb cornfield place. But I also, you know, I'd spend the weekends at my dad's in Detroit and maybe I thought, oh, I can understand that. And I roll around here and I get it. I don't know what it was. I don't get it, but I definitely thought the movie was cool. And I'm not well, sure why. We were all latchkey kids, just like the kids in the movie. So where had we been in New York, we would have been doing a lot of that same <laughs> shit because we were doing that on a much smaller scale in the suburbs and the cornfield. Yes. I mean, lack of supervision, uh, getting into shit that we should not have been getting into. Um, we were lucky that we weren't in New York. Yep. You motherfuckers weren't skateboarding. No, not us no, two. My, my, no, my brother, my brother was skateboarding and some of our friends were skateboarding. So I hung around with yep. all that shit. Um, and just Absolutely. did drugs. Yeah. Lots was that? and lots and lots of drugs. What was the name of that so, bank right next to the McDonald's? You know that one? That's a lot uh, of skating yeah. went down there. Yeah. First oh, National yeah, Bank yeah. or something like that. I forget, but that was that was the place. Yeah. Yeah. I watched. You're right. I never I couldn't skate. I thought it was I love the concept of skating, but I never got on a board and really did anything. But I love the, the culture. The first, well, I've never had a sense of balance, but the first time I ever got drunk, I drank way too much and i was really young and that was the first and only time i tried skating and i hurt myself surprised um and uh <laughs> never got back on it again yeah yeah so uh, yeah i can't pinpoint exactly but i loved this movie when i was a kid i did it came out and i was like oh, i love kids and i don't not sure what i loved but we were kids what can i tell you teenagers are idiots i've been saying this every chance i get i'll continue to ride or die on that platform unformed brains 
<laughs> uninformed brains. Ah, unformed, right. like unfully formed. I mean. Oh, right. Unformed. Like, yeah, not developed fully to right. our exactly. levels now where we've mastered life, of course. Mm, clearly. <laughs> so what's the IMDb rating on this one, folks? I am curious because it uh, had it's got some controversy around it, but it doesn't mean it's a good movie. I'm going to say 6.6. Yeah, I think you're in the right area. I'll say six five. I think, yeah, I think it's like a six two. I don't think it's going to be that uh, mm. well received. And the answer is, oh, seven point oh. Okay. Wow. Okay. Right. right on the seven. All right. Eighty one thousand ratings. Like we say, that's that's, a lot. that's not bad. That's decent. Yeah. Uh, boy, I wonder if we're going to get Destin Thompson on this one because I would love to get Dessa's take on kids. And there's got to be a lot of critical reviews of this too because just what it was. It's got a 47% yeah. from the critics though. It's a splat. Yeah. And a 77 mm. from the audience. A huge gap. 30% gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not surprising. Critical reviews. Let's see. How about David Anson of Newsweek? This was recently. He watched this in 2018. Kids is stunningly anti-erotic. <laughs> though not untainted by sensationalism, by condensing all this inflammatory material into a 24-hour time frame, Clark and Harmony Corrine create an overwrought narrative that's sometimes tedious in its relentlessness. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's rock solid review, actually. Yeah, tedious in its relentlessness. Answer David Anson of Newsweek. Right. David Anson, the beautiful, always. No, I don't Hanson, know if he's clairvoyant or not. Handsome David Hanson. How about James <laughs> Berardinelli? Berardinelli from right. Real Views. This is back in the 90s. So this is an old school That's review. Good. Kids shows what transpires when children are set adrift in a heartless world and warns us what happens and is already happening in the absence of love and guidance. Oh, mm. sounds sad. Okay. Eeps, Roger Ebert. Kids is the kind of movie that needs to be talked about afterward. <laughs> is that a rating? Yeah, we're gonna just walk out of kids, go to Denny's, and then not bring anything up about it. Um, hey, kids, you want to go try to I, I win did. a free uh, play the crane game? You want to play some arcade games, kids? <laughs> I read where um, when they tried to fight the NC seventeen rating, they like they got Alan Dershowitz in on this. And, uh, and, and quote unquote, the top child pornography lawyer in the country, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know which okay. way you, uh, who, which way you represented. Um, Shit. but the argument that they made was something along the lines of like, this would be a good movie for parents to watch with their kids so they can have a conversation about drug use and HIV and all that shit afterwards. And the judge went, no, like, this is not a movie you want to watch with your fucking mother if you're a teenager or if you're a mother, you don't want to watch it. Like, how awkward would it be to watch this with your parents? Imagine watching this with your mom in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I can see me. it actually. I, I call me crazy. I mean, my mom and I, we went and saw Philadelphia together. We talked about it afterwards. We saw the theater. I remember that. That was. I mean, me and my mom watched some hardcore shit too. But no, nah, I mean, like, this was, especially given, like, that, of course, since I was, what, I was 14 when this came out, maybe 15, I did not get the proper messaging from it. So um, it would have been, been even more of an awkward conversation. Oh boy! Uh, hey guys, great news! We got Dessen Thompson. Oh, yes. Yes. Wow! Not a lot of reviews overall either. We lucked out. Okay. Back in the day, too. This is from the '90s. Ostensibly, right. 
Okay. About the banality oh. of youthful evil. Kids is simply about its own banality. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes he's pissed. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. watch another fucking shitty movie. <laughs> I hate my job. Destin, you love your job or hate it? Let us know. We love you. Okay. Uh, banality? Is that fair? I do think it's certainly about the banality of evil. I mean... Casper yeah. and Telly have no idea that they're bad guys, that they're the antagonists of this movie. They have no idea. They think that they're good dudes. He beats the fuck out of somebody, maybe killed them for all we know, raped well, someone. This is Casper. Yeah. This is just Casper, right? Right. I mean, right. Yeah. they're both terrible guys. Yes. And and yet, you know, Casper gives a homeless man money he gives the kid fruit for all he knows he's this self-righteous right. dude just he's just oh, fucking plain yeah. dumb or he's ignorant well, or whatever to I mean, jump to the end real quick i mean like i think you hit the nail on the head because like that when you know again like trigger warning but when he's when he assaults jenny he's saying to her it's okay it's me casper like what i'm doing is okay because it's me and i'm casper yeah he's got no yes. sense of accountability yeah he yeah, he's talking about cat. You know, every moment, Casper is all over the place, and then you got Telly. These are the two guys, Tweedledee, Tweedledum, if you will. You know, Eric, Ooh. Eric, I am dying to know. I want to hear everything you have to say because you watched this movie for the first time, and you're in your 40s now. So it's just a <laughs> yeah, a completely different point of view than me and Travis are coming from because yeah. we we were there and watched it then. So I, I mean, what do you make of these two guys, T Telly and Casper? Is it? <laughs> I I want to know. Dude, if I would have watched this in 1995, I would have – like I don't think I would want to – I definitely wouldn't do a lot of the yucky, horrible, god-awful stuff. But like I wouldn't want to jump on a skateboard. I don't think I would want to do drugs. Uh, I would probably be attracted to like the the um, the freeing qualities of being you know let out into the city. I mean this is fucking like Lord of the Flies shit yeah. here in Washington Park. Uh, I think I'd be attracted to that that freedom and stuff, um, but yeah, watching this at like a, as a forty two year old man, it's like very fucking odd. It's like <laughs> it comes off like a ca cautionary tale to me, but not like in like a health class after school special kind of way. No. I think the banality comments are saying that it is like th this day in the life of shit has no message. It just is exploitive sensationalism for the sake of shock value. Uh, I didn't see it as that at all. Um, what I make about these two guys is they are ignorant yeah. children that have no parents. I mean, that's what stood out the most. I, I teach in a school that is extremely low poverty and I see kids like this every single day and I don't hate these children by any means. I have a lot of disrespect and sadness for some of the choices made by their parents. So that's what it all comes down to for me. Wow. That was well said, my friend. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that this situation that evolves in this film makes me so confused. Never have I been so confused by whether people are acting or not in a movie like I, it's a movie it's a fictional film right but for me i i've yeah. never watched a movie again it, this i got this feeling even stronger during this watch like are some of these people acting or not are they just being thrown in front of a camera because some of these people are acting but i'm not yeah. so sure everybody's acting in this movie yeah. it's a really weird dynamic 
So they absolutely are, dude. Um, because sorry, Travis, but because of this script, uh, from what I read, and believe me, I read every single word I could after I saw this movie. This is this is everybody's on script. This is all on the page. So yeah. you guys are joking about Leo Fitzpatrick. I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself right now. Fucking great performance, if you ask me. Uh, it would be hard to deliver these lines as an. Unknown. I think it's. I think it's a g- really good performance for a, a kid of his age. I think that. I think that um, out of the four main stars, that he's clearly the least talented. I think that Justin Pierce and Rosario Dawson are incredibly natural in this movie, uh, and I think that. And I think that um, Chloe's the awesome. Work, and the work that Chloe has to do is more difficult because she has a lot more. Her character has so much more going on. So I, th- I think that she's uh, incredible in it as well for her first major performance. And yeah, I've read a lot on this as well. And a couple of things that I learned was that that the, supposedly the only scene that was improv was the scene of the clearly like 12 or 13 year old boys who were smoking weed on that couch. Very yeah. awkward yeah. scene. That was like the only improv scene. Yeah. Close up shots all, of their bellies. Yeah, and the rest was all written by it. But I, I did read a, um, a, um, a sort of an interview that with Leo Fitzpatrick, too, where he said this was our everyday lives just put on the screen. So while they were following the um, the script, like, so here's what happened in case, you know, quick rundown on Larry Clark's life. So he's Please the do. child, I believe, I believe of artists. Right? I want to say a filmmaker like in the 60s. Right. So he's exposed to some weird shit as a kid. He's hooked on drugs and. Uh, being like a street photographer as a kid and he has like a little bit of success and then kind of like you know he gets caught up in the drug life and he kind of his whole life goes by into his 40s and he's like floundering and he cleans up and he cleans up in washington square park and learns to skate as a guy in his fucking 40s spends three spends three or four years with these people with harmony corin and all these guys Spends like three or four years with these guys before asking Harmony to write the script and um, and and then just kind of like films it and just follows them around. And because he wants to like because it, it seems like he's like trying to like recreate his own fucked up youth and like put it on screen oh. or something in some ways. But like this is all like very managed and intentional, but also like wild and and kind of like verite. By the way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. he directed a Chris Isaac music video in 1993. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. It, it was a different one. one. But that's what got him into film as well, or like you know, being a director. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Well, shirtless teenage boys is a big motif in Larry Clark's oh, filmography. Ken Park, and yeah. Oh God. One thing, yo, everything. Um, I mean, one thing that stood out to me during my research is the fact that this is a vietnam veteran this guy was in fucking vietnam supplying soldiers with ammunition he saw a ton of shit uh as a youth and he comes back to america and starts to investigate the counterculture of of youth america not only in suburbia but in these Mm -hmm. big cities and i think what he's really trying to investigate is how trauma and this sort of stuff affects kids um, yeah, I, I, I was really interested to see that a man, you know, 52, 53 years old would kind of uh, infiltrate this yeah. circle and try to squeeze a script out of it. And I was really surprised, um, tell that dog I'm not here, <laughs> that he had Gus Van yes. Sant on board. Executive producer? For many reasons that I, I can't wait to get into once we start, start talking more about casting, because 
I got some problems. Yeah, this is a perfect time. Hit me. You always do this. You're like, I want to preface something. (laughs) 20 minutes down the line. We're an hour in, man. That's classic, Eric. Yeah, I love it. Bring it, Eric. Come on. Let's do it. A lot of these actors that were involved in these scenes have come out recently saying that they were absolutely exploited by the sexuality of the picture, that they were uh, unleashed. They were not supervised on set by a lot of adults. That's a fucking big problem. And when you have somebody on this set like Gus Van Sant, who worked with kids who wanted to be actors like Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix and and worked intensively with them on their character work to separate themselves from these people, it's severely irresponsible for him to not step in and say, you know, Larry, I'll help you with this movie, but we got to take care yeah. of these kids. Let's, let's look at the, you know what they spent the most money on in making this movie was removing Sarah Henderson's nipple from the opening scene. Sarah Henderson is the actress who was 17 years old that he that he that's playing like a 12 year old or some shit in the opening that he coerces into having sex. She was in order to show that much of a child who was virtually undressed. They had to literally, literally digitally, digitally remove her nipple. And then you have the four boys that were on the couch. Um, those boys were there to visit the actors, like the skaters. They were um, from California that were in town to visit. And the, I have li- no reason to see, like if, I cannot imagine that parents were present, like they were they were visiting. So all the them smoking weed and like the kids getting like his nipples licked by this woman and all that shit. Like there's no reason to assume, and it's all real weed too, which I'm not against real. It weed. It did look still, real, by the way. It really did. It is real. It is real. And, and I remember learning how to how to roll all a real. blunt from this movie. Like probably a lot of excellent kids did. blunt rolling effort there for sure. Literally, <laughs> literally learned from this movie. Sloppy yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you have like 12, 13 year old kids. Uh, clearly you know, like doing drugs uh, with their shirts off and, and these kind of like sexual s- scenarios. And I, I can't, cannot imagine that like parents were consulted. Problem. It's a problem today is it's, you know, we're going to have the never, it wouldn't happen today argument eventually here, but fucking, we got like intimacy coaches right, <laughs> on the right. set today. Everything is so filled with legalese. It'll make your head spin. We've got kids here that are, it, it, uh, interested in attracted to being a, in a movie and whether or not the product that came out of this is a, a fine product. And I think this is a very fine product. This is uh, unfair to children who cannot, you know, make up their own minds about what is going to come after this because Larry Clark and Harmony Corinne just fucking dumped these kids off at the train station. The second they turn the cameras off. I mean, they, they talk about how they weren't supported afterwards and they got fucking shit thrown at them for years after this and leo fitzpatrick was all fucked i was up. thinking of like harold hunter you know um like here he is in this movie one of the few almost african-american leads um and and this kid is like there's a scene where he's literally moving jumping around slapping his dick uh, against his thighs and that's yeah. probably the real sound of him doing it even if it's not like like yeah. this is a kid and yeah. he's gonna grow up and this is like on film and him being like really sexually aggressive with these girls. Like, I don't know. It just seems like uh, people in your life might not like let that shit go. Well, Once, you know what I mean? By the way, uh, so Mr. Harvey Weinstein was behind this movie in case uh, yeah. you're not surprised you know by that. They had to 
do a different, uh, create a different production name or whatever, do a spinoff Shining, because Shining Excalibur Pictures. Yes, right. Because Disney, oh. <laughs> Disney technically had the rights to this, and there's no way to hell that the yeah Disney, Disney. presents kid. kids. <laughs> Disney Pixar's kids. Shining. Yeah, Holy get the fuck shiny. out of here. <laughs> but there was a documentary Jesus. that came out in 2021. I wasn't aware of. I found out yeah, by digging yeah. around about yeah. this movie. I haven't seen it either, but it talks about everything you guys are talking about here, about all these other actors and these kids felt that they were exploited and taken advantage of and left in the dust by, you know, Kareen and Clark who were shocked to find out this movie made $20 million. And it was probably made for like, I don't know, 10,000 or something, 20. It was a tiniest budget. Yeah. It was one. It was one oh, point five million dollar picture, okay. which was low in ninety five. Yeah. But this and made a shitload. And most of the money was spent on removing that nipple. Exactly. And then you got legitimate career started off this film as well. It, it became a Hollywood film, oh, even yeah, if it yeah. wasn't going to be originally. And the point being is that yes, there's a lot of mistakes here, and it's just another example of what we are all well aware of today. If you weren't before, you don't pay attention to movies and entertainment business, I can understand it, but we, even the regular Joe and Jane today understand that there is a lot of free-for-all laissez-faire attitudes on sets over the decades, and we could give you example, example after example of that, and that's just... It's unfortunate. It really is. I, I don't know if it does it take away from the movie. Can we still watch this again? It's about the art, the artist, when an artist does really fucked up shit. I don't want to have that debate necessarily. I just find it interesting to think about how real this film seems, but it is acting. Yeah, but I also like there's this moment when Leo Fitzpatrick kicks a cat and I'm I'm pretty sure it, lo it really looks like he fucking kicks. Oh, uh, right. I, I, um. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it does. And and when, when Casper does nitrous and he's talking like Grish afterwards, that seems like he's really doing nitrous. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not. But I mean, again, some of the stuff I read show, said that they were all doing real drugs on, on set. All these drugs were 100% right. real. So oh, his lips were blue, that, dude. That was obvious. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. So my point is that movies are magic you with the power <laughs> of editing and the right cuts and all that kind of stuff you could recreate all of this stuff without making it like literally kicking the fucking cat you know what i mean like there's, there's a lot that they could have done that it's like no no we gotta like gotta be real we gotta be real and it's like oh, okay yeah at what cost i don't know but it, it, it certainly has a very realistic feel i'll give it that extremely it, yeah it's Street, yeah. gritty hardcore on the streets in new york running around there's a lot of scenes where people aren't even saying anything you just hear background chatter while it's kind of just staring mm -hmm. at a certain character depending on the situation like washington square park uh there's one parent we see that's telly's mom who casper ogles her titty yeah. and says hey that's something a kid would say though that was real so that's what the realism for me makes me it brings me into the film more because Casper's like, yo, tell you, your mom's got great tits. It's like, shut the fuck up. But a kid would say that. I absolutely no, would say no, that. You're, you're right. The racial slurs, the, the, oh, hom homophobia. the homophobia. Yeah. All this shit is like, God damn it. Like, yeah, okay. I, I believe it. All right. That gay couple's totally targeted in that scene at Washington Square Park. That's right. And then they turn around a scene later and they're encouraging girls to make out. Yes, um, but you know, but it's like again, like this is all, so it's all extremely hyper realistic, but it's also like sometimes I like to escape in my movies. But okay. <laughs> but the, so that's the thing here. So we understand that mistakes were made in this film, and it sucks. There's nothing we can do to change it. So, do you guys like Eric as a first time viewer? Do you see that the film really exposes 
shitty, awful truths about our culture and society that we would rather ignore. It does it well. I don't think the movie's saying anything that intelligent people don't know is going on, not just in New York City, but in Mayfield, Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's like this everywhere. I mean, <laughs> it's just that we are not used to seeing movies with this stuff in it. It's nothing new. And in fact, it could be a fucking hell of a lot worse. We don't have kids doing intravenous drugs here. Uh it could be a lot worse. I mean, we get like a little weed and like some drinking and a lot of horrible proclivity and sexuality. But we don't have like heroin and all this horrible shit we could have in the movie. And it's probably because the studio wouldn't allow them to do it. So this movie could have been a lot worse. Well, fuck all that. That has nothing um, to do with it. It doesn't matter what the drug is. What the movie does that I appreciate is particularly at the end when there's just this kind of B-roll of adults who... The movie's saying, hey, these kids turn into these adults that end up on the streets that nobody cares about. Very and much. that's, here's that's some, powerful, here's some man. Calli- some calliope music to go along with it. Yeah, with weird-ass, melancholy-type music that really fucks your head up. You're like, God, this is so bizarre, but it's making sense in a weird way. Yeah, it's actually, like, I think you're right. Like, that scene is really important, and it's actually really kind of underdone in a way. But, like, not in a way that I'm I'm not critiquing it. Like, it's uh, for a movie that's pretty heavy-handed, that understated point of, like, hey, this is where they could end up. But I also, but again, like, I also, yeah. like, to get to the exploited nature, like, of, of some of this film, like, part of me is like, I, I, I don't, these seem like real, real mentally disturbed people on the streets of, of, New York. I, these don't seem like actors, right? They're, they're driving by and filming these people without their knowledge and putting it up there. You know, this fucking guy, this this guy who has no legs, you know, who's, who's in the fucking subway. Like, yeah, it was wasn't a Garrison East Forest Cup situation <laughs> at all. <laughs> was he was he a paid actor? No, Eric? it's real. It's he was an actor. Even no, it, he was Good. an actor. The dude that was playing the accordion was an I, actor. I Even the fucking yeah. dopey oh kid God, jumping up and down was guys were all fucking. That was all too Harmony Corrin. Yeah. I, I knew that <laughs> shit was, was was those three were were like cast there. But I, I did I did think that like the the legless guy was maybe like a legitimate homeless person. I'm glad that here he was a paid okay. actor, um, but still it's just kind of like you know, a little uncomfortable. You but you get you get a lot of odd like the authenticity I think is a big word mm. for the entire movie in these scenes where like it doesn't seem like a closed <laughs> set like like they're they're getting like these long uh you know these uh, long lens shots of Telly and uh Casper moping around the city and you can tell these people are don't know they're being yeah. filmed and stuff I like that and you get all the sounds of the city and stuff and it kind of like gets your blood pumped um, I want to yeah go ahead sorry. You, Please go ahead. Please I go want ahead. to mention I this to see what you think of this because there was a few of the actors who felt that what bothered them most more than being taken advantage of was that the movie failed to show that there was a real strong sense of community with skateboarders and these kids on the streets who came from shitty homes and that they actually had much more of a stronger bond than just the flimsy dope smoking and trying to fuck everybody type scenario that you get in this movie. And that might be one of the bigger uh, failures of this movie because they means that they're really trying intentionally to not show you that, to try to make a point, which I think is disingenuous for something that's supposed to be so authentic. Hmm. The only person that's unhappy in this movie is for good uh, reason, Jenny. Everyone else loves their life and is having a fucking great time. So for me to hear you guys talk about watching this in 1995, 1996 and kind of being, you know, hyped up about it is just fascinating. I had a fucking Casper shirt. Like it was, 
Yeah, yeah. you got a Casper uh, shirt. And like I recognized because uh, I'm, you know, I was a dumb kid, but I recognized that he raped Jenny and that he's a piece of shit and that's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I still also like I didn't fully appreciate the enormity of that of what Telly was doing. I thought they were both scumbags, but I also still kind of thought that they were like guys I could hang out with. And I wish I, I wish I'd not felt mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. but I did. Yeah, and I think it's easier now to forget about it or to minimize it. But you know, HIV and AIDS were a huge deal. They were still a major yes. deal, and this movie is about that. To death sentence at that time. To, yeah, to be diagnosed with with AIDS. absolutely. So that being said, should Mister Barnes have popped this into the VCR <laughs> in our ninth grade health class? No. It feels like a lawsuit would be coming with that. No, no, that would be weird. You don't think kids watched this and got so fucking terrified of getting a a, a disease in their body that is a fucking oh. death sentence that they would? Change I do think that some did. I just don't think that it would have or could have or needed to be shown in schools. But I, I mean, like one of the messages of the movie, it's almost like a horror movie, like where you have the the promiscuous girl that um you know she she lives fine and is clean, but the the girl who's had sex one single time yep. has 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 gotten AIDS, and it's almost like the, it's almost like a puritanical message like watch out kids like but it, it i mean like it also shows how the you know the, when it has that great back and forth where the, the girls are talking about sex and the boys are talking about sex yeah. and it shows that the boys especially just do not take uh hiv aids seriously they do not see it as a real threat they're like you know they're in that young invincible mode and they're all all consumed by the need to fuck that's a lot of bravado, though, too. That's the other yeah. thing it yeah. shows is this false sense of reality that they try to push upon one another. But by each one of them participating in it, all of those boys, those young dudes in that scene at Paul's place where they're doing whippets and talking about, oh, yeah, blowjobs and the shit. The women were put on earth to suck our dicks. And it's like, you guys are creating the world that you're living in, but... Each one of them, or probably a few of them inside, there's insecurity galore, and there's sure a lot of fear, because to me, this movie screams, like, fear of the movie. We're all living in fear. We got to go crazy now. I get a lot of that vibe from this film, and it's so sad, but so on point that these kids end up creating a reality that they might not want to be a part of, but since they're so afraid to be vulnerable, that's what you get, Mm. and the movie nails that for me. Well, that one kid is vulnerable. He's like, how dirty. I want to buy you corn dog, oh, dirty. Yeah. He's very vulnerable. He's funny too. He was. He made me laugh. I admit that. I, I did laugh. I want to buy you corn dogs. That's that's, that's romance. <laughs> but those parties, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Brought me back. I mean, are these guys, like, fear and insecurity come, in my opinion, out of a sense of morality? And these kids are just, they're, they're vermin littering the streets because they have no guidance. So there's no right or wrong, really. So are, are, are they as vulnerable as you're saying? Or are they uh, They're not showing relishing it. They're not showing this it. I life? think I mean, yes. in some ways they're more, more vulnerable um, because of their act, you know, because of the way that, that they're acting and all that, right? Like, I mean, like the, the fact that they've not been taught to have respect for others and for their own lives puts them at even greater risk as we see telly's walking around with this shit for you know he's got aids for over a year and he's knocking up it looks like we're not knocking up but he's infecting excuse me um like a virgin a week roughly Mm -hmm. uh sometimes two in a day um 
yeah. Persian surgeon. Which also, while we're on that point, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to make a ticking clock happen in a movie, but to have that you're trying to save a character from uh, losing her virginity to someone who's going to give her AIDS and then have it not even work out. Like she doesn't even get saved. Like, oof, that is a brutal ticking clock. It's fucking dark, man. It is hardcore. Yeah. Dark. The lack of parenting means that these kids need to be put in check by parenting. It's, it's definitely attempt by this film to, which it did end up doing at least on the surface Parents need to be given a reality check. This is a wake-up call, blah, blah, blah. But you, you have these kids become more and more manipulative and without some type of reality check from an authority figure or someone older or somebody with some wisdom to let these kids know that they need it, the manipulation will just increase, increase, increase because they think they can get away with anything. I mean, Telly takes the money from his mom, then makes it look like he's begging to get money and all sweet and sad when he still doesn't get it. Like, oh, okay, mom, well, I, I understand. Damn, I really wish I could get some money. But he just ripped her off anyways. It's out of control craziness. It says yeah, a lot about how important it is to have someone who can prevent kids from saying that manipulation is right. bad if only they had someone in their life say in their late 40s early 50s who had gone through all of that <laughs> stuff on the street taking drugs and could really talk to them about the choices that they're making <laughs> maybe you should let your students watch this episode gosh i'll tell you that's that's a good point but i will say there were it did take me back to and i gotta be real because that's what i want to do is always try to be honest about how the movie made me feel the party scenes and like all this camaraderie of people just like people just saying things coming out of their mouths they don't even know why they're saying it half the time like it reminded me of my teenage years man we just said all kinds of crazy shit we laughed a lot we put on shows for each other it was just live for the now live for the now chaos 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 crazy 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 doesn't matter whose house it is we got to take advantage of it what's the next opportunity for us to get wild and take advantage of everybody and i mean that when i say take advantage of everybody in a way where we they can exploit the situation at a house oh, yeah. because these places need these kids need places to hang too. like nobody owns a home here but yet there's right. all these domiciles where they get to hang out and exploit the situation there's the older guy who like hangs out with younger kids um that they do the whippets at and then there's fucking what's his name danny abrams what's his name from the oh yeah um, from meet uh the meet the parents and scary movie yeah um it's like clearly his parents house at their party and and that yeah there's a lot about this that brought yeah. me back to that kind of desperate need to move from house to house or place to place, wherever we could be unsupervised yes. uh, and together and, and free to do whatever we wanted. And again, like I've said it before, I've said it a million times. Like I'm just really grateful that, yeah, the needle drugs weren't in Heartland, Michigan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, dude, I wasn't allowed to leave the house when I was a teenager, but did these, raves exist that had fucking doormen that would monitor how many 14 year old kids are pouring into a fucking drug it's a different level man rave. new york city and Heartland, michigan just two different worlds yeah but. and also well <laughs> I wasn't like that. The local rogers rack they weren't doing that at rogers rack but the 90s was a period of raves right and i I, yes. I i myself did not go to raves but i had lots of friends who regularly went to either like outdoor festivals or to like literal warehouse raves that were like you know uh, thrown up but they'd talk about it and i'd take their masculine when they came back the place in pontiac uh that when that place opened not just concerts yeah it was like rave nights you remember that Yes, Clutch Cargo. Yeah, cargo? yeah they, cargo, I never yeah. did that either, Travis. And what Wasn't used to be known as the music. 
I hate yeah. the music too much. Too. Yes. Yeah, I like to have a good time, but the music just wasn't my thing at all. And that's yeah. what it used to be known as ecstasy. Rolling on ecstasy. Those are two terms that were synonymous with each other before it became, I don't know, MDMA or whatever it, the yeah. original Molly. name of the drug is now. Molly. Now that, yeah, now they do Molly. Which I never I did ecstasy. I feel like I missed out. Uh, all I know is that I did it one time, and um, everybody else like gave each other back rubs and like late. fell asleep, and I was wired. I literally like <laughs> stalked a hallway up and down for like four hours while everybody else fell asleep. <laughs> I'm like, I hate this. I uh, hate this so much. I never did it again. You poor bastard. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, li life's hard. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it does. It sets a, a time and place. It's a very 90s. It might be one of the more uh, 90s type movies that provides you with uh, fashion and kind of the mannerisms and the way people were. It's really a quality flashback to that for this movie. I will say that about kids. And and the soundtrack, again, like we, I touched on oh, yeah. a little earlier, this soundtrack mm. is fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. man. Got, I mean, you got Slint mm -hmm. and Daniel Johnston in there, which is super weird to watch a guy get beat up to Daniel Johnston. But all these different uh, Lou Barlow <laughs> projects that make up this movie that have always been so hard to find streaming anywhere, you fuckers. Um, <laughs> Natural One in particular, of course, being the big hit from this. It wasn't uh, Randall Poster, the music supervisor in this. Did you guys see that? He's everywhere. Well, he like, really he's, yeah. Guy. Mm -hmm. Either him or T-Bone Burnett, yeah. right? Yeah, he's the man. Yeah. Like him guys. and T-Bone. Right yeah, I'll double check that. But I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. He, That's a guy who's been everywhere. All, he's a legit. Yeah, there he is. Randall Poster, music supervisor. I would guess, yeah. I would guess that'd be earlier in his career. Can you check? Is that a little earlier? Because... I mean, the early 90s, it seems like, um, I know by the late 90s, he was doing tons of shit, and his name is just, I'm so used to seeing his name in credits. It's like S Sheila Jaffe doing the casting again. Okay, there's a name I know. Just one of those <laughs> names, you know. I think he, uh, I think Gus Van Sant uh, probably brought him along because he brought his yeah. cinematographer. This was his very first film in the same year that he did The Crossing Guard. He debuted right. in 95. All right. So that's where you got to start. Good job, Randy. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Randall Park. Or Randall Park, different person. Randall Poster. Great job. Great job. You guys ever see that show yes, no. Euphoria? Yeah, I've watched the first season at least. Is it kids? Modern day kids. I heard yeah. it's pretty much kids. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I could take seasons mm. of this. It's. I mean, it, it's not as gritty, obviously, <laughs> or like shot the way. It's a lot more uh, pretty looking show because it's 2022, obviously 2023. But yeah. yeah, some of the some things haven't changed. Okay. I mean, there, there's some slight variations of what the challenges are for teenagers now and what the world is like for them. But it's still some of the classics. The classics never go away, like uh, troubles with somebody you're into, whether it's a man or a girl, whatever you want. Uh, drug use and just these standard issue uh, understanding of freedom and the limits of freedom and recognizing that maybe you do need limits because you don't yeah. get it because you're a teenager. Those things are time honored traditions. Um, I'd like to say real quick while we're hmm. wrapping, it looks like we're getting towards the end of things here. Um, I understand why Jenny's character, the character of Jenny needs to be alone in her pursuit of Telly to tell him what, what's going on. But I do feel like the film suffers from uh, Rosario Dawson's character suddenly kind of dropping out about a third or so of the way in the movie. She's yeah. uh, the character seems strong and important in the beginning of the film and her performance is so rock solid. And then she just kind of drops off. It doesn't come back. And I think that that's a waste. It's kind of like what happens with Marvel movies with when black Panther was a much bigger hit than maybe Marvel thought it might've been. And then when Valkyrie is kind of like barely in the following films as they're trying, cause they didn't realize, Oh shit. Valkyrie was like much more popular because of Thor Ragnarok. We should have had her play a bigger role in like, 
the uh, following Avengers wrap up and so on. Oh, but you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, I think maybe they're like, oh, this girl, Rosario Dawson, she's a great actress. She's nailing this part. But, you know, we don't know what else to do with her. We could have had her tag along, but that's not what happens. I would agree. Her mom, her mom probably picked her up and was like, "We're getting the fuck off." <laughs> so this she did. Who are these that she was like nothing like her character. That she didn't lose her virginity <laughs> until she was twenty. That she never did drugs. That she was a tutor and all this stuff. And that, sure. and that she did the movie. And she did the movie. And her grandma said to her after something along the lines of, "You could have warned us before we showed our church friends." <laughs> <laughs> I hope they didn't get dressed up either. God, that would have been terrible. What a nightmare. <laughs> Oh fuck! My little Rosario just stuck here again. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Only fifteen. Yeah. Those no. those nurses are man. Those nurses are cold too. By the way, at the clinic, like I know you the just got one especially. Yeah, like you're dropping the bomb here on Jenny that she's HIV positive, and you're just so cold in a way. Not that you have to be loving. I was watching that closely. I think that was kind of intentional. Uh, I think they might even be trained to come out as clinically and neutral as possible yeah, with maybe. that information. They're still human beings. Yeah. I don't know. They're not social workers. They're nurses. They're not, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know like, uh, and I actually thought that the, the, it was the other nurse was kind of more kind and loving. And it was kind of like, oh, shit, they got the wrong nurses. Yeah. Jenny, needed, Jenny needed the kinder nurse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I, Again, I, I want to just elaborate on that. Like this, this movie really will always stand the test of time for the fact that it has this HIV plot, which, you know, we live in COVID now. We thought COVID was a big deal. It didn't kill as many people as AIDS could. It wasn't as deadly in my opinion, but it still was, forget how deadly it is physically. It's the mental terror and the anxiety that comes with the fear of disease. And man, Harvey Kareem and Larry Clark got it right when they really tried to show you that how upset Jenny was when she found out. Yeah. By the time the movie's done with her awfully, when she's raped by Casper, uh, she kind of got like sidetracked. Like she took drugs. Like maybe I would want to forget everything in the world in that moment, possibly too, but it also doesn't make as much sense to mm -hmm, me because she mm -hmm. was so concerned that she ran away from Ruby and she went on this day long quest, but then she ends up seeming like, ah, you know, I kind of got sidetracked. I'm tired. I'm high now. I'm going to go to bed and, or I'm just going right. to pass out and, here. It's weird. And if she hadn't, she probably would have saved Darcy. But yes. she is a child and is not emotionally or like she's not equipped to deal with what's been thrown at her. That's fair. It's, 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 it's valiant that she's like running around town trying to get to Telly. She doesn't even know about Darcy for, for much of what she's doing. So I, right. I think it just kind of shows like her unpreparedness to, to deal with, with what she's going through. That's a good call. And, good call, Travis. And, Right, and terrible things happen to her and to others for this what seemingly under, kind of understandable choice to be like, I, I'm going to get fucked up. Fuck it. But, like, she gets really fucked up. It's a good call. And we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that, you know, fast forward 10 years and Jenny has to fucking make one phone call on her cell yeah. phone to Telly oh. to, <laughs> to clear this all up. I mean, there's no communication well, five years, in the mid-90s. Five years, Payphone in the scene. Yeah. There's a payphone scene in this movie. There she tries to yeah. get a hold of uh, her mom. That was a flashback. Like, it, yeah. for some reason, that actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because it really hit yeah. me hard for some reason, more than almost any scene in the movie when she's trying to call her mom to yeah. tell her what she just right. found mm -hmm. out and her little brother's on the phone. But yeah. standing there yeah. in that moment, kind of in a yeah. payphone, the world's moving around you, hustling, bustling. You got your friend by your side, just 
twiddling her fingers. There's something about the way that was set up and shot and expressed to me that really took me as far back and as close as I could get to what it was like to be a kid in 1995. And I'm not sure why that is still, but it definitely hit me hard in a weird way. What hit me hard as far as the character and uh, all that goes is that scene with that horribly inappropriate cabbie that wouldn't shut the fuck up and is practically (laughs) hitting on her. And he's like telling her to smile, like have a good day. Like It's like, hey, dude, this mother, like you motherfucker. She just found out she's got AIDS. She doesn't need to turn her frown upside down. Choose to be happy. Oh, it's so frustrating to watch. I just want to fucking punch that guy in the face. Yeah. But and there she is, like trying to like suffer her way through it and be convivial and like normal, like oh you know. And it's like man, this is what women have to deal with all the fucking time, all the fucking time. Yeah, I think the movie also expresses that quite. I mean, that party later on in the movie where like every guy is trying to get with a girl and like Harold's oh. being way too aggressive with that girl. She's like, no, get off right? me, get off me. I mean, what a what a brutal existence it must be at times to grow up as a teenage woman trying to fend off these horny assholes everywhere that's it's unnerving but pretty realistic i feel yeah that's it yeah but i i do like the fact i mean i like the the, the fact that harmony corinne puts in that scene of the girls talking about yeah, how like much they too. enjoy sex and you don't see that in any other movies you always see I mean, frankly, you always just have the scenes where the two girls are like, "Do you, well, do you love me? I, I'll only engage in this sexual activity if I feel right. love. Like they're all Telly's virgins, right? But you do right. get, yeah, like, well, like they're all written by a guy who thinks that's the way women yeah. think about sexuality, frankly. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that first scene, and you know, we talk about Rosario Dawson jetpacking, but that does really set up the promiscuity of both of the sexes in this friend group quite well. And I don't know what else you could do with her. But yeah, I mean, the, the script is fucking fantastic. It boggles my mind. That yeah. And kid. it's not just our leads that are impressive here. They're like those those girls, those two other like the boom, 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 like that girl, like so convincing. And, you know, I think she's, yeah. and she's reading. Yeah, this is from the script, you know, yeah. like, like a lot of the side characters yeah. that, that, that have just pop in for like a scene do really, really strong work as well. Yeah. It's just too bad that they uh, got screwed over and taken advantage of and weren't, you know given the chance to maybe continue their careers or at least feel like they were part of something that the <sighs> other parts of the crew appreciated. Like, they, like, they got tossed on the scrap heap. Or like de- de- uh, de- decompressed or debriefed yeah. or, or just something. Like from what, from what I understand about this new documentary coming out, it, it's all about how they were just not just not taken care of i mean this is a lot of material to go through i really it's not streaming anywhere i looked um, but i'm definitely going to catch it when i can i think it's just called the kids which like kids is a terrible movie Uh, or name it's really hard to find a movie with that basic of a title (laughs) at least kids did well enough but like just trying to find the kids i couldn't find shit on it yeah me neither that's a good point yeah it is called the kids and i don't know where you can watch it but it's somewhere it's available so yeah i'll watch it uh, anything else we well, haven't covered here, gentlemen? I mean, this controversial film. I would have liked to have seen more from Justin yeah. Pierce. He was nominated for Independent Spirit oh. Award for Best Supporting Actor, and he's fucking fantastic in the role. Um, you know, I think if I look back, you guys, I can see myself 
It's mostly because like I knew kids acted just like that. All the horrible things aside, like I knew kids just acted like little fucking dipshits who like to skate and do drugs and just giggled at fucking everything. So that took me back to just people I used to know. So yeah, you're right. Like I would have hung out with them until I fucking heard out what he did and heard what he did and what punched him in the face. What? Yeah, I, a, a fine actor. Uh, we lost a suicide, oh, yeah. which is yeah. terrible. There's a lot of white horrible. kids using the N-word in this film, too, by the way. So this is one of the examples that I think makes it very authentic because that definitely was going down, no doubt about it, in the 90s. Whether you <laughs> like it, nobody likes it. Yeah. Just the 90s. I had to talk to one of my non-black students yesterday about oh, that word. Oh, shit. Okay. Yesterday. There you go. Yesterday. Yeah. So. Because that's immaturity. That. It doesn't mean that they're a racist, but it just means no, that they're exactly. dumb. They don't understand their don't world the, yet. And the power that they have and the power that a word can have or the power that an action yeah. can have. They just don't understand. And it doesn't make them a bad person. Even as bad as Casper and Telly are in this movie, like they're not they're, the and They are bad. They're they bad. are bad people. <laughs> but I don't think that the characters are like irredeemable in a way because I, I could I feel like, well, maybe. They could have gotten better as they got older. Maybe I could see Telly learning that he had AIDS and being like, "Fuck!" Like, ah, uh, I, you know, like, oh wow, this changes every. You know, I could, I could see that happening. But at the same time, I could also see it going. Well, speaking of that, real quick before we wrap it up, is it weird now? To me, I was really off put by the "What the fuck?" Casper sitting there naked in the chair, like, "What the what happened?" Like, it seems like that's unnecessary because there's also telly's quick narrative there's we got narration all of a sudden at the very end right before that shot very weird so clearly so clearly reading off a page it's like the worst narration i've ever heard um yeah you know what is going on with casper scene because to me it seems like regret it seems like he like he kind of sobered up and realizes what he's done yeah that's true that's what i got from it this time i really? never got from it before but that's what i got from yeah it i <laughs> I, if I was in an editing room, that would be the first thing I caught because I could hear, I can hear people in the theater or at home on VHS laughing at that scene like it's a fucking Kevin Smith last not, line before I the would, credits. Like, oh, as a kid, as wait, a kid, wait, I, no? I took that last moment really seriously. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Maybe. I did too. I, still do. I but I did too. But now as an adult, I thought it didn't make it didn't need to be there. It seems like it's yeah. Like it's trying to like wrap up the story for you, but the story wasn't really made that way through the whole film. So to have this quick narration yeah. about, hey, this is life now, is after the the uh, montage of people who are living on the streets, mm -hmm. narration, then yeah, Casper's like comment. But then uh, it doesn't seem like he'd be quite ready for self reflection in any any way, shape, or form. It does seem a little forced, but I'm okay with it being there. Again, because I mean, like one of the about that age, it's not just that you're trying to get laid and trying to get on drugs and trying to get privacy away from your parents and all that stuff. It's also a time of like, you know, increased under increasing understanding of what's going on in the world and that kind of stuff. So, you know, he I, I do I think it makes sense for him to to kind of have a sense of like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I fucked up. And before he learns what it actually means for him, because now he's infected. Yeah. All right. Hmm. All right. Eric, pick, you picked the movie, Eric? buddy. You want to start? You never saw it before. So we're, people are dying to know what you think of the movie Kids. <laughs> I, I hope they're not dying to think that what I thought about. Um, I'm watching this movie yesterday and like I'm five minutes in and I say to myself out loud, God damn it. <laughs> I love this movie. Like I, I love the film. 
Like I hear so many people. I heard the moans and groans when I made the pick <laughs> last week. I saw them online. People don't want to watch it. They're like, oh, man, no, 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 no. I can't. I can't do it. I watched this movie, and I don't know if it's because I'm older now, and I know that this is just a, a film, and this is fiction. Uh, I, I I thank God for these types of movies because they they eclipse other movies that are just that are just um, they just seem like movies. Like I, I thought about Requiem for a Dream a lot while watching this, and I look at a movie like that, and I'm like, you're gonna put all this fucking stylish shit over a story that should have an impact and a gut punch like this one does to me. Like the grittiness of this movie, it feels so real and it makes the subject matter seem more important than if I than if I was watching some director with like a camera in a button or mm -hmm. shit like that. You know what I mean? Uh, it just made me feel really alive to watch this. So I'm, I'm thanking the movie gods for, you know, not for sensationalizing oh. children, obviously, but do we have a piece of art that that says something that can be talked about uh, and learned from? And we, 151 movies that we've watched, there's only a hand few that I've I've turned it off and had to really sit there and fucking think. So I I mean I loved the movie, man. I I I want to watch it again. I may watch it again. Definitely going to check out this documentary. Uh, I think it's one of the best movies of that decade, easily. Oh, I meant to is. say I meant to say it at the top of the of the podcast but uh this is hard to find we found it on the internet archive um so check you know, if you want just just google <laughs> internet archive kids in 1995 you'll probably find it if you're if you're listening and you're like shit i wanted to watch the movie um but haven't you know seen it in a while or haven't been able to find it i Good guess call. since i'm talking i'll go ahead and did we ever did we ever figure out what in the fuck that oh, other so, yeah we, the, the only was? cut on the youtube is someone cut the movie without the aids scenes in it so Basically, they cut all the stakes uh -huh. out and um, everything of interest. Um, like, how do you even? There's no story. What do you? Th what do you think Jenny's after Telly for? I, I honestly, mean, like, whoever made money? that cut, I honestly feel kind of bad for them. Like, what kind of life must you lead that you feel like you need to spend the time to take <laughs> the film kids and cut every reference to AIDS out of it? Like, that's going to somehow fucking sanitize this movie. <laughs> it was a nice little Saturday for somebody, Travis. You you wouldn't understand. Okay. <laughs> So I had not seen this movie. You know, when it came out in 1995, I, again, I watched the fuck out of it and I had not seen it since the nineties. I had not seen it for a very long time. And then when you picked it, Eric, I was like, shit, now I can't find it. Um, but I'm really glad you picked it. I think it makes a ton of sense for our podcast to revisit such a controversial film, a film that, um, you know, it entered the zeitgeist and never quite left. You know, the, the re people can reference this movie and they know, you know, people still know it. And for good reason. Um, I've heard it said that um, if you want to make a splash when you're making art, you need to either do something the best or do it first. And it's hard to do it the best. And I know I read a um, uh, interview with Larry Clark where he said he just wanted to put something on film that had never been on film before. And I think he succeeded. Um, this is, you know, I, I can't think of a movie that predates this that quite... You know, it almost makes me think of Easy Rider in a way, like, <laughs> um, and maybe some other kind of like Hayes Code era films that were like, don't let your kids do this, um, like Reefer Madness almost, um, right? In a weird way, it like in, in a lot of ways, this is like an uh, like an exploitation film, like literally an exploitation film and exploitive. Um, I I 
And between watching this and Bully this week, I have had many memories about a time period in my life that I've not thought about so much, like my early mid-teens when I too just lived like I was a fucking 40-year-old man, but I actually didn't know shit about fuck and was just like, you know, making these choices and, and doing these things that like I'm lucky to be here now. Um so, and I am thankful for this movie and, and bringing me back to that time in my life. And I do think it is a unique film. Um, it made me feel dirty to watch, which I texted to you guys. Like it, yes. it does make, it, it feels like it's not like, like, and not just like looking at these underage girls in these really like fucking six minute makeout sex session to start your movie. I don't want to fucking watch this. Uh, yeah. Never mind, yeah. Eric. You said five minutes in that you yeah. love the movie, so now I understand something about you. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it, so there, there are scenes in the film that are certainly like awkward. Um, but I'm grateful to watch it again, and I'm glad you picked it, Eric, because like now I have a much firmer sense. I think of both what Larry Clark was going for, um, and 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 Harmony Corrin was going for that I just didn't understand when I enjoyed this film as a kid. It absolutely holds up. Um, for for its problems, um, like a lot of important pieces of art, there was some there was there was some damage done making this thing. Um, but I do think it's an important movie. It is an important film. It spurred a lot of recall in my life. I think the last time I watched it was I moved to Kalamazoo for like a month in two thousand two, and I remember. My friend Jamie allowed me to stay at his place, but they were moving out of their house. And so then we like flopped at this girl's house for two weeks who, so I was not only was I once staying at a friend's house, now I'm removed from that. I'm staying with a friend who were staying at someone else's house. who I have no idea who they were. And some they've had a copy of kids and threw it on. I remember watching it. And I really think that was the last time that I saw this movie. So it's been 21 years and this movie is so ingrained in teenage, I don't know, uh, frustration and confusion. And that is something that doesn't change for this film. Even now, it is as apropos as it was then. The things that happened to like actors taken advantage of and made to feel like they were less than nothing. And the uh, dismissal of a bond, you know, in skating and the skater community. Like these people, it's got that punk rock ethos, that DIY, do it yourself, stay strong, but be supportive of one another because we really can't all function without one another. It dismissed that entirely. And that sucks. And I mentioned that. So I guess that's okay. But man, I just kept thinking about our child, our, our adolescent teenage years, Travis, and I started to think about yeah. some memories. I thought about this one night where we snuck out and we did some crazy shit with golf carts. That oh man, <laughs> legendary that was, night! It was a straight up crime. Uh, yeah. It was, and we got away I, with it. I broke into someone's home once in yeah. the middle of the night, just yeah. on a kind of like on a dare. Absolutely. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> like what? That's the kind I of stuff the guy, I thought. But of. I mean, still like. Just madness, man. We got we got lucky. And we got extremely, extremely lucky. You're right. That's a great point. I did a lot of dumb shit, and I'm lucky to get out of it. You know, what's interesting, I think about our French group, and, you know, me, Travis, and Eric, we all grew up with a big crew of friends at Heartland, and we had a tight crew of people. We still are friends to this day, you know? We'll do. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's a cool thing. It's a unique thing, mm -hmm. and I'm grateful oh, yeah. for that. And I also think 
like, man, maybe uh, life is better without cars. Like, you know, we lost friends to car accidents, two friends. It mm -hmm. sucks. This movie, there's, you know, cars are not needed. They live in New York City. They walk around. They take trains everywhere. You know, they don't have to take you take that element out of their lives. And, you know, teenagers are driving. It's a it's not a fun thing. It Every year, teenagers lose their lives because they're not ready to drive or it's just a dangerous act. Anybody could be killed in an automobile wreck on any given day. But I also thought about that. Like, wow, man, I wish I grew up in New York City. Maybe my friends would still be around. But then again, I wouldn't have known them because they wouldn't have been there. So you can't play that game. But boy, this movie just hit me hard with nostalgia. And that AIDS, HIV stuff really stuck with me because I, I was always so terrified of that disease growing up it scared the shit out of me and this movie brings you back to the terror of that disease and growing up in the 80s when it first came about mm -hmm. and even still in the 90s even though magic johnson yeah. is fine yeah. and he was okay when he announced that he had it in 1991 by the time this movie came out it was still something to be afraid of and it was a scourge yeah oh Remember the ryan, ryan white, white story <laughs> used to show that us that documentary yes. every day every oh my god there was cool. a there was a show on HBO called like uh, Life Stories, Families in Crisis. It was a 90s show. And there was always, there was one episode about the boy who had AIDS because of a blood transfusion and the way he was treated in his oh, neighborhood. Yeah. It wasn't Ryan White, but there's a lot of stories like that. So, yep. God, this movie makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel bad, too, about you know my own yeah. upbringing. Maybe things I regret doing that where I was shitty to people for no reason at all. Oh, Random strangers like them in the yeah. park. Like, hey, fuck yep. you, man, yeah. or just saying the most heinous, cruel shit. You don't even know why. I don't even know why I did it. I just did it because I wanted to entertain or just, hey, look at me. I, I don't even know why I do half the things I do. You're this movie Learning boundaries. Learning yes. boundaries, right? Yes. you're. That's what I am. Oh, it's going to be really hardcore on how we should be easier on teenagers. We should give children and teenagers boundaries, like you said. We should establish the uh, modicum of living and what is... Not just morality, but like what is acceptable for you to do to other people? And if you don't understand that, you need to be given the structure to know yeah. what that is. And that's why I forgive teenagers for everything they do, almost everything, because they just don't know any better. Human development is a motherfucker, and I'm 42, and I'm not fully developed at all. So just remember that. And that's what this movie really stuck with me the most is to remember to have a little bit more empathy and compassion and the movie is so cruel in a way. The fact that it can do that, I think is pretty impressive because it's not trying to be a compassionate movie whatsoever, but it does remind us of how important mm -hmm. compassion and empathy is in this existence for everybody. And we should have it not only for the people in our life or people we don't know at all, but for ourselves too. So I'm going to say the movie holds up, man. It's a it's not a fun watch. Obviously, it's a challenging watch. If you know anything about kids, it's going to be like cringy. And yes, the making out, I was so, I fast forwarded so much telly making out, man. I just, I couldn't even oh. handle it. It was like this slow silence. And all I hear is. Oh, and it's fucking like the, his pillow talk. Oh, oh yes. Oh, it's so bogus. God. So it's a it's an interesting film that needs to be watched it holds up for the fact that it does what it does man i think you guys nailed it you really did so good call eric yeah good call good call right on. three holds up <sighs> all right yeah 1995 yeah. zone larry clark's own we should have done bully <laughs> hey it's it's always, been on, my, always been on my list i love bully so i'm always ready to bring it <laughs> to the table but we'll we'll oh, leave larry up. clark in the past for a while baby yeah that's fine but it is your choice. Trash Humpers? Next. Oh! That yeah. is me, Travis oh, Roy. Yeah. Actually, yes, it is my turn. Um, hmm. That is odd. 
I got it. It is odd. I got my list, and I guess. That is what should I do, list. Eric? Should I pick this one or that one? How about a? I'm gonna give you guys a choice. We can either do a movie from 1993 or 19. Oh wait, no, no wait. Mm. Uh, let me. 1993 or 2015. 2015. What do you guys think? 2015. 93. <laughs> oh, you guys split me. So I'll be the deciding <laughs> vote. That's perfect. Let's go ahead of time because we just did 1995. Let's get back to eight years ago and do a movie that uh, really was a fascinating watch for me. And I'm curious if it's just me or if other people are going to be like, wow, this is going to be a fun movie. Let's do right. 2015's uh, The End of the Tour with Jesse right. Eisenberg and Jason Siegel. I've really been enjoying Shrinking, uh, the new Siegel show. Oh. It's awesome. And it's great. Yeah, Season so I'm definitely uh, I'm ready to get into some more Siegel. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so we're going to do the end of the tour next week, 2015 film. And that's today's show. Thank you so much for watching, listening, five-star reviews, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Eric Branch and Travis Roy, Michael Govier. we love doing the show. We thank you for giving us your time and energy, and catch you next time. And now I'm not doing it. <laughs> I ain't saying shit. I ain't saying shit.